Welcome to Lexia Talks, an education podcast that empowers educators with actionable thought leadership content. Each week, we deliver the latest education news, insights, teaching tips, policy analysis, and more. Today's topic is online learning, accessible to all. A recent article in the New York Times tackled a poignant subject. A young girl living in New York City was eager to begin online learning in the wake of the COVID-19 crisis. Her public school had been shuttered overnight, but she had been given an iPad to use at home. But she doesn't have a home of her own. The girl lives in a homeless shelter with her mother and grandmother, and there is no internet service available to them. Stewart describes the girl propping her new iPad up on a pillow only to discover she could not take part in the lessons her school was attempting to provide. This story illustrates a growing problem, as school districts attempt to quickly shift to online learning in response to mandated closures. The question has become, how do we equitably reach all students? The young student in Stewart's story likely falls into several vulnerable demographic categories including homeless and highly mobile students, and those with a lower socioeconomic status. Educating these students during the best of times, when schools are stable, funds are adequate, and students receive the support they need, for example, is likely challenging for many school districts. So what happens when disaster strikes? What provisions can be made to ensure students in need, like the girl with her own iPad but no access to the internet, will not be left behind? Furthermore, what about students who receive special education or English language services? Let's take a look at how the needs of marginalized students are being considered thus far as the COVID-19 epidemic threatens to keep schools closed until the fall of 2020 in many areas. One category to pay special attention to is students who live in poverty. Slightly more than 50% of all K-12 public school students in the United States qualify for free and reduced lunch according to federal poverty guidelines. These students are far less likely to have access to a computer or other device, not to mention reliable internet service. This is known as the digital divide, of course, and while it is not a new problem, the fast-changing coronavirus situation is exposing it all to the more. A recent Bloomberg News article put it this way, Distance learning necessitated by the COVID-19 pandemic starkly exposes the continued disparities in access. It's not just access to a broadband network or Chromebook that's the problem for kids with a lower socioeconomic status, however. There are a whole host of other issues that may interfere with their ability to adequately participate in online learning, including parents who need to keep working during the COVID-19 crisis and thus are less able to guide, monitor, and supervise students as they attempt to tackle academic work. With this in mind, is one solution to delay school instead? These concerns have prompted some observers to call for a halt to mandatory online learning. Douglas N. Harris, an education policy fellow at Brown University, argued recently that when it comes to distance learning plans, even the best and most well-intentioned efforts will mean that students suffer, especially low-income students. Harris cites research to support the idea that e-learning is tough for many students, even when conducted under ideal circumstances. In this case, with COVID-19 suddenly forcing many teachers and students to adapt without practice or training, Harris believes it makes sense to delay formal instruction and implement summer school or other remedial plans instead. 
He also recommends that this unexpected disruption to K-12 instruction could be used as a time to better prepare teachers for the world of online education. Now is a good time for schools to consider their online teaching capacity, which can be useful beyond emergencies, such as this, and in preparing for a possible re-emergence of COVID-19 this fall or winter. The concern for students who live in poverty carries over to those with other needs, including those who rely on special education supports and those who are non-native English speakers. Amid the sudden closure of physical school buildings, many administrators have been left scrambling to try and continue to meet the needs of these students, especially since federal education law means they are obligated to do so. A PBS NewsHour segment from March noted that the U.S. Department of Education, under Betsy DeVoe's leadership, has informed districts that they should not let concerns over how to reach students with disabilities stop them from offering distance learning. Instead, DeVos is encouraging schools to be creative and flexible, while acknowledging that not all students can be reached in the same manner. A fact sheet put together by DeVos' office offers tips for educators, including the use of audio recordings with teachers dictating lessons or otherwise engaging with students. First and foremost, however, is the Department of Education's mandate that schools that are completely closed due to COVID-19 do not have to offer special education services. For those that will continue providing instruction in any format, however, all students' needs must be taken into account. A brief video produced by the department's Office of Civil Rights includes a framework for moving forward on this front, such as a reminder to allow for the use of assistive technology for students with mobility or other issues. The PBS NewsHour article also notes that some of the services special education students receive at school, including occupational or speech therapy, will perhaps have to be provided over the phone or via video. When it comes to students who get English language support at school, the website Color in Colorado provides a helpful overview for families and educators. The site, which serves as a resource for English learners and their instructors, zeroes in on the need to support students and families through this difficult time by first attempting to ensure their basic needs are met. The piece advises districts to partner with school and community-based resources to ensure families have access to adequate and factual information regarding COVID-19, including where and how they can maintain essential nutrition and health care services. The post also includes a wealth of ideas for how to help English learners keep up with schoolwork during the shutdown. Schools could arrange to take supplies to families, for example, or deliver learning packets for those without Internet access. So what did we learn today? The bottom line in all these stories is that learning can and should go on for students, but that schools and districts will need to be as flexible and, as Betsy DeVos argued, as creative as possible. Access to technology and the internet is only one piece of this puzzle. Instead, inclusion, engagement, and student-centered problem-solving are some of the most important factors to consider. Thanks for joining us this week on Lexia Talks. Make sure to visit our website, lexialearning.com podcasts, where you can access all of our podcast content and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the podcast, that would help us out too. Until next time.